Chapters nineteen through twenty two of Philomène's Marriages by Henri Greville. Translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nineteen A Pretty Picture. At daybreak, the door opened softly, the maid went out to get some milk, and the two young men slipped into the house. Marie went to meet them, holding a finger to her lips. Everything is going on well, she said. She passed a good night. Don't wake Virginie where is she asked masson marie pointed to the open door of the drawing-room amidst disordered things and furniture moved from its place with a table cover under her head in guise of a pillow virginie was sleeping on a sofa dressed and covered with a shawl her lips slightly open displayed her white teeth her long eyelashes threw a dark shadow on her cheeks and two braids of hair that twined around her neck fell on her clasped hands she looked sad and one could see that she had wept before going to sleep verroy peeped in at the door and regarded the young girl with a father and artist's eyes the simplicity of the scene virginie's sadness and beauty touched at once both his heart and his love of art masson seeing him motionless ventured to advance his head in the same direction and was struck by the sight marie who had left them to go into the kitchen returned just as a slight movement of the sleeper made one of her beautiful tresses fall to the ground she drew masson back by the skirt of his jacket will you have done said she to him in a low voice should a man look at a young girl sleeping you ought to feel that you steal something of her innocence from her but muttered masson bewildered by her speech charles looked at her and then she is so pretty charles is married it's not the same thing and then he was wrong to do so come away both of you my good friends she drew them outside and shut the drawing-room door what shall we do asked verroy i am very hungry you will take a cup of milk and then return to la huserie where the lamps have been burning and the windows open all night so much the better masson said philosophically the oil will thus have left no odor there is nothing that smells worse while our friends were partaking of some excellent cafe au lait seated before the kitchen table virginie appeared timid and with her eyes that were still full of sleep dazzled by the daylight she rubbed her eyelids slowly with the back of her hand and seemed only half awake she had gathered up the tresses of her hair however she said good morning to the young men with a sweetness full of gratitude and wished to busy herself in fulfilling the common duties of hospitality towards them but marie objected and waited on them herself but i have not sat up all night virginie tried to say madame verroy imposed silence on her by kissing her forehead and made her sit down to her breakfast oh madame said the young girl carrying marie's hand to her lips which she afterwards pressed to her eyes full of grateful tears marie held the young girl's head softly to her warm heart that was void of maternal happiness and virginie felt at once that she had another friend who was as tender and as true as her godmother chapter twenty private theatricals the sun penetrated the large clean bright kitchen in great floods of light leaving its rays everywhere on the brass saucepans that were more brilliant than gold on the pastry moulds that looked like the tiaras of assyrian kings on the enamel of porcelain and the varnish of faience on the small soft rolls of bread that were gilded with the yolk of eggs on the bright golden butter and the vine leaf forming its casket the happiness of the new day seemed to be united to the returned health of the mistress of the pleasant place and our guests individually as well as collectively were declaring they had never tasted such good cafe au lait when the door opened 
and the tragic nose and melodramatic eyes of theodore lavenel entered he bowed to the assemblage with the air of a man who is not in the least astonished and who knows exactly how things are happening then addressing virginie alone without being wanting in politeness for this reason to the others ah my dear mademoiselle he said how much anxiety you must have had i heard of the accident last night just as i was going to bed i did not take the liberty of coming here his ominous eye gave a look at masson as though to say to him caught for i know too well that a stranger is in the way on such occasions but i thought of your sorrow all night long and i could not close my eyes virginie without knowing why felt hurt at this speech lavenel would have done better not to have spoken of strangers in the presence of those who had just proved themselves so helpful she was not used to the polite falsehoods of civilization she ignored everything about the great art of annoying people without giving them a right to be angry but her natural frankness served her admirably if it had not been for these gentlemen and for madame verroy my poor godmother would have probably died on the road monsieur lavenel she replied simply think what cause we have then for blessing their presence lavenel bowed to the right hand and to the left with the air of a man who desires to be amiable no matter what it may cost and continued he with angelic sweetness will madame and those gentlemen have the kindness to continue their good offices towards your poor godmother as long as they will be necessary monsieur lavenel marie replied curtly i beg your pardon but i am going upstairs with a very slight bow to the intruder she disappeared on the stairway masson looked at lavenel with curiosity that odd creature who resembled at the same time a sacristan a bailiff's clerk and a little but very little a small provincial tradesman amused him extremely his comedian's instinct urged him to something malicious he arranged his face so that it resembled the flower merchant's he tied a foulard silk handkerchief plaited it in small folds round his neck making a rosette and two little ends in front he drew his hair over his brow and on his temples enlarged his waistcoat drew up his suspenders put his hands in the pockets of his jacket that seemed suddenly to have become limp and did it all with a series of movements that were so natural that no one had perceived him lavenel turning towards the young girl after having bowed to madame verroy's back found himself face to face with his prototype by having buried his chin in his cravat masson had succeeded in imitating the flower merchant's profile utterly amazed for the man he saw in front of him did not in the least resemble the one he had seen a short time before lavenel looked twice at the new face masson who remained impassable looked at him also with the same astonished air then our disconcerted hero lifted his eyes upon charles who with great trouble kept serious happily for the sanity of philomene's lover the latter had not changed his appearance and in order to avoid the consequences of the mystification he hastened to ask some commonplace questions of the bewildered man while he was answering them masson had reassumed his usual appearance and when lavenel who was much disturbed turned to look at him again he only found before him the young actor whom he knew incapable of explaining this metamorphose to himself the poor astonished man became so confused in what he was saying that he ended well mademoiselle virginie i leave quite at your service masson hastened to open the door for him and lavenel drew aside a little so as not to touch him in passing i believe if a holy water fount had been there he would have sprinkled him with holy water but there was none at hand and lavenel found himself in the street without having exorcised any one what is the matter 
virginie asked seeing the two friends fall back in their chairs laughing convulsively and trying to stifle their merriment in their handkerchiefs for fear of disturbing madame aubier masson verroy tried to say masson showed him how he looks and as he is not handsome it frightened him concluded the actor virginie looked at them alternately without understanding them masson at once reproduced lavenel's type with more perfection than the first time for practice spoils nothing and gave the young girl a bow so faithfully modelled after the unfortunate absent man's that in spite of her anxieties she could not help laughing in her turn he takes me for the devil the young man said as he put his foulard handkerchief in his pocket and looked like himself once more perhaps he is not wrong said charles in that case virginie said smiling you would be a good devil monsieur surprised and charmed the young man answered her smile the warm sympathy he had felt for her the day before rose from his heart to his brain like a breath of spring air and he opened his lips to say something that he decided to keep to himself come said charles who had taken his overcoat come we will go and put out our lamps if they are still burning we will return soon to hear how things are going au revoir mademoiselle au revoir and thanks said virginie placing her brown hand in verroise masson extended his open towards her she hesitated an instant then put the ends of her fingers in it and withdrew them at once with a fugitive blush on her face a tantôt said masson almost in a low voice the door closed upon them very softly so softly that they pushed it in to see if it were shut then they took the road towards their home the air was strong and pure the tranquil bay was deep blue the cliffs of origny shone white in the distance illumined as they were by the rising sun our friends walked for a moment in silence with the rapid and elastic step that the freshness of morning inspires when they had passed the last houses of the village charles remarked that his friend had a much more preoccupied look than usual of what are you thinking said he to him softly so as not to disturb his reverie rudely those who dream often know how harsh and unpleasant seems the voice that throws you suddenly into reality how beautiful is innocence masson answered in the same tone of voice in cities my dear fellow one has not an idea of it the best brought-up little girls have all taken some small boy's arm well said charles who could not follow the current of his friend's thoughts well that virginie who has never touched a man's arm it touches me yes charles it touches me and then too when your wife scolded us because we had looked at her asleep your wife was right she has a noble soul and an honest heart she was right pardieu surprised at this dithyrambic speech charles looked at his companion more attentively and found that he wore a serious and impressed look that one rarely met on his face and only on great occasions what is the matter with you said he to him you do not seem in your ordinary frame of mind what is the matter with me answered masson enthusiastically i am surprised at it myself charles my friend i believe i am in love oh virginie the truly named exclaimed he extending his arms towards dielette that shone brightly in the sand below their path it is your purity that has conquered me he was in joke but the trembling of his lips showed a deep emotion let us sit down said he to verroy pointing out a large stone to him i do not know what is the matter with me it seems to me i am drunk and that in my eyes there is a sun that blinds me a young girl my friend a real young girl you do not know 
you cannot know what that means to an actor he plays every night with an ingenue forty years old who leads a life that makes electric lights pale before it we are taken to the theatre to play the part of small boys in emotional plays with little girls to whom the devil has nothing more to teach children who reveal things to one that even we would not dare to think of and behold on a lovely july day on the beach on the cliffs or on the road to la userie one meets a young girl twenty years old fascinatingly beautiful made like a nymph gentle good and clever and who knows nothing of life nothing who has always walked alone in her pathways who has only dreamed of her godmother and whose cheek is as virginal as her heart do you understand what i feel charles i understand it verroy replied gravely but you must not become lyrical my friend do you want to marry her ah certainly i want to do so i wish i were a millionaire so i could cover that adorable creature with diamonds and make her the queen of the world you would render her a very bad service she is charming in her obscurity but the full glare of public life would not suit her perhaps besides we have not got as far as that can you marry her now ah sighed masson regretfully you break the wings of my dream no i cannot marry one cannot marry with what i earn at the theatre they set forth walking again both of them in silence after a second masson said to his friend you think it is not serious because it has come too suddenly well i declare to you it is serious now that i love her all other women displease me she possesses what none other can offer me the charm of purity listen a little while ago when i held out my hand to her and her fingers scarcely touched me i felt it was the first time she had touched a man's hand that woman shall be mine only mine or i will use all my resources in vain wait a little to see if it will last continued charles as soon as you have returned to the theatre you will think no more about it the theatre thank you ah velontine cold cream and champaka the royal perfume i am disgusted with you for ever we will see said verroy unmoved if you still think of it three months hence we will talk of it again ah oh, if i were rich muttered masson between his teeth but i do not even dare to wish to be rich it would be wrong in me come my dear fellow meanwhile we will paint some water-colours and try to sell them paint as many as you like my laziness is content in watching you i imagine it is i who am working but instead of painting water-colours masson stretched himself out at length on a mat in the courtyard and with his face turned towards heaven dreamed all day of virginie chapter twenty one sad cooking towards midday a sharp nose and yellow hair made their appearance at la userie accompanied by a basket containing some fresh fish morning eggs and a little roll of fresh butter masson awakened from his reverie profited by the liberty that country life authorizes to lean simply on his elbow and inspect the newcomer i thought said the latter approaching softly that probably you would have nothing to eat i do not know the actor answered indifferently i believe verroy is boiling some potatoes for we could not find any knives we are alone so i learned continued philomene and i came to bring you something better than my cousin's potatoes be it said without wishing to blame him he is not clever at cooking 
said masson with the same indifference towards human beings but it is all the same to me i am not hungry i am not a good cook either but i am going to try to awaken your appetite said philomene planted before him and gazing at him with tender eyes you look very tired monsieur masson are you not ill i no a thousand thanks dear madame said the young man finally deciding to rise he stretched himself without disturbing philomene in her contemplation and went towards the house which she entered close on his heels charles had renounced endeavouring to make his potatoes boil sadly seated in the large fireplace on a small stool that served marie in the cabalistic operations that preceded their repasts he watched the water evaporating insensibly in the great gulf black with soot and saw with regret that the water would soon be completely vanished and that the potatoes would not be boiled what are you doing there cousin asked philomene entering i don't know ma foi nothing i have been vainly endeavouring to procure some food if you at least said he to masson had come to help me instead of dreaming of your love masson made a warning angry sign to his imprudent friend which the latter feigned not to perceive he dreams of his love continued he stretched out on his back and i struggle to make this pot boil without succeeding you see however there is a large fire yes but your pot has no cover to it i think i come very opportunely you always come opportunely said charles graciously who was softened at the thought that he was going to leave his post for a good place at the table you are very amiable cousin here monsieur masson go and get some wine and cider and return immediately everything will be ready while the friends were in the cellar philomene upset the house so completely that in the twinkling of an eye the table was laid and an hundred things were strewn about in all the corners it was one of madame crepin's peculiarities that she overturned an entire kitchen to boil an egg however when the two men found themselves seated before a good meal a feeling of very natural gratitude made them show a thousand kindnesses to her who had rescued them ma foi cousin said charles when the coffee was smoking in the cups you have saved our lives how one becomes spoiled however when i was a bachelor how many times i was obliged to prepare my own food then i knew how to go to work about it but then years of marriage give one habits of laziness and comfort one must be very unhappy as a bachelor is it not so monsieur masson asked philomene rejoiced at their praises and rejuvenated by her joy phew that depends upon the way one looks at it and also upon circumstances the actor replied in certain cases one is unhappy especially as regards cooking and linen but outside of those two necessities of life i do not see that one is so much to be pitied philomene modestly lowered her eyes over her cup and added a morsel of sugar to her coffee in which she had already put two one is however much happier in married life continued she turning round the liquid with her little spoon i have had many sorrows in my life but my happiest time was when the captain was on shore and i believe it must be the same with every woman who loves her husband masson had a great desire to ask her if the captain also considered his happiest time that which he passed with her and if the good man had not been lying in the cemetery the young actor would not have failed to ask her the question but he refrained through good breeding and contented himself with glancing at his friend from the corner of his eye and the latter having understood him gave him a kick under the table and they began to talk about other things chapter twenty two the tale of a basket 
towards evening the young men returned to dielette accompanied by philomene and her eternal little basket it is with baskets as with men some have a clean and common air others seem to despise the vulgarities of this world and only open themselves for exquisite things choice fruits julienne's cakes boissier's bonbons ribbons of delicate colors and perhaps for a dear almost imperceptible little dog others are workday baskets made for going to market and bringing sorel home while another will hold feathered and four-footed game others finally are small ugly and with their platings badly made revealing to all passers-by their owners secrets and pray notice that the owners of such baskets would do far better if they were to keep their secrets to themselves philomene's basket was of the latter kind charles could not abide it and marie in order to relieve her husband of the sight of so ugly an object had bought her cousin another one but madame crepin did not like her new basket she thought it common it was made of fine black and white willow and her frightful black basket she thought distingue it possesses in truth a rare ugliness charles had said but he could not carry his point and it was always the black basket that philomene carried on her arm to and from dielette charles had been watching it since the morning and had said to himself it should be the unlucky thing's last day it was only necessary to make its tenacious owner forget it somewhere and the rest would be a mere question of choice as to the means by which to make it disappear but philomene could have been caught without her purse sooner than without her basket and our friends had the unhappiness as they were leaving of seeing madame crepin take it out of a dark corner where probably it had not put itself and with magnanimous calmness hang it triumphantly on her arm the afternoon was as lovely as that of the day before but the sun had not set yet and from time to time the young men stopped to admire the tints on the sands the sea and the distant islands which looked like violet spots on an ocean of fire masson who was under the influence of a new emotion talked more and better than usual and in spite of his wish to the contrary a restrained lyrical tone lent to his conversation a something that was elevated and poetical and which noble minds always surely feel the people adore poetical enthusiasms they do not understand them but in the music of syllables of certain sonorous words and caring little for their meaning they find a subtle charm which has been the cause of giving us many ridiculous songs and many bad novels philomene listened in admiration she thought the young man who talked so well with such noble graceful gestures especially handsome masson was what is called un fils de famille that is to say a man of the world who has received a good education moreover he was an actor and represented the various types of character in the novels philomene had read in the superb scenic effect made by the beach and cliffs with the evening sky as a back curtain masson gave the illusion of the finest drama to the ignorant woman and his passionate voice which was the echo of all he hid within himself awoke chords in her heart that had been for a long time dumb and others too that had never vibrated before she had set down her basket in order to hear him and with her hands crossed she listened as though she were at a sermon much better than at a sermon when a movement of charles made the object of his antipathy roll to the bottom of the cliff the black basket turned over and over several times and only stopped on the edge of the waves that curled beneath almost up to the rocks the descent was only about thirty feet and charles regretted it was not three hundred for philomene uttering a cry of sorrow endeavoured to run after the cherished object 
bah cousin leave it alone said verroy drawing her back by her skirts it is not pretty it is worth nothing you have another and if you care for that one i will buy you one exactly like it it was a fallacious promise which he was quite determined never to keep no no exclaimed philomene i want that one and i will have it my husband bought it for me at bordeaux they make very ugly baskets at bordeaux then said charles but masson who was touched by philomene's hazardous efforts to descend the cliff was already at the bottom of it and brought back the precious treasure to its owner who immediately expressed her great joy and gratitude to him i have no luck sighed charles but masson shall pay me for this what asked the latter nothing my friend you are a hero and i admire you madame aubier was much better and marie was able to confide her without anxiety to virginie's care the three friends returned to la huserie while philomene went to her home she opened the door carefully and like a cat that is afraid of burning itself ventured in the darkness as far as the fireplace there she procured a light then she placed her basket on the table and sitting down opposite began to look at it the captain had in effect bought the ugly thing at bordeaux to hold some unexpected purchase he had made and brought it back with him as one brings home such chance acquisitions because an ill-advised feeling of economy leads us to encumber ourselves with useless disagreeable things simply in order not to throw them away when once we have paid for them with her usual want of taste philomene found it useful and pretty and from that time would have no other like the legendary knife of a certain jeannot who has remained unknown it has changed its handle and cover many times and its successive metamorphoses have become dear and more dear to philomene the captain's souvenir returned of itself in the presence of the basket and his widow accorded him an honourable mention in her memory then by a mysterious transition and even by no transition at all she began to think of masson and a slight emotion made her heart tremble with what grace had he descended the cliff and with what kindness had he brought her back the basket because she cared for it thus thinking philomene mentally threw a stone at her cousin charles who had shown such disdainful indifference to her feelings in that affair what would she have said good heavens had she known the active part he had taken in the event but she was always doomed to ignorance on this point yes masson was very kind perfectly charming philomene with her eyes still fixed upon the object that was the cause of so many dreams recalled one by one her knight's features his complexion his eyes and his nose were the subjects of a retrospective investigation as minute as that of a council of revision and madame crepin ended by saying to herself that the young man was very nice very nice indeed and then he was so amusing mon dieu how amusing he was she ignored however his talent for imitating theodore lavenel but other drolleries were never wanting in his conversation and philomene who did not always understand him only admired him the more ah if lavenel only had a character like that instead of the cross disposition nature had allotted to him in a moment of ill-humour she could have been very happy with a man with such a character that was what she wanted winter evenings are so long when people have nothing pleasant to say to each other a husband who can tell stories that is a happiness the captain used to tell stories which was natural he had travelled so much but masson's stories were very amusing especially so because philomene found an individual flavour in them 
they introduced her into a new fantastic world wherein everything seemed extraordinary to her how gay life would be with that man here philomene heaved a great sigh her thoughts took another turn she was going to paris this was interesting paris in itself did not mean much to her it was after all only a city like the other cities a few houses more or less was the only difference and then she detested paris parisians have a way of thinking everything is better done and nicer there than in the provinces now there is not a being endowed with reason who does not know the contrary first perhaps she might recover her money and then and then she would see masson decidedly she loved him very much and that was very natural and moreover he resembled the captain prodigiously all widows whose hearts begin to beat again find that the object of their flame resembles their defunct husband it is a well-known thing philomene's candle was not of the best quality and it was running sadly down in its socket when the lady remembered she had not supped to sup alone how dull it was she went towards the sideboard in a melancholy way took a piece of bread and butter and inflicted this frugal repast upon herself as though it had been a penance not that she repented of her thoughts was she not as free as air but why had she been so stupid as to have allowed lavenel to circumvent her she was quite decided not to marry him of course but it was too much to have given him the right to say so it was true this unscrupulous man had betrayed her it was agreed that they should say nothing to any one and he had spoken of it to everybody his mother and himself might deny it as much as they pleased but as philomene had said nothing therefore it was they who had tattled but so much the worse for them they would only be the more ashamed when she should declare they had invented it all for remember there had been no witnesses how ugly lavenel was the more she saw him the more did she find him disagreeable and then what was this habit he had taken of going to madame aubier's on all occasions did he mean to take up his summer quarters there there was nothing to call him to that house and madame crepin did not intend he should be seen there so often it was true since she had given him her promise he had not come perhaps three times to her house and he never left the one opposite she would snub him as he deserved in anticipation of what he would inherit here philomene began to laugh in the three stray hairs that ornamented her chin and served her for a beard as she thought of the anticipated inheritance that would never come to anything it was an inheritance on espagne this thought made her so happy that she went to bed with a novel of ducre du menil's that she put under her pillow at the end of ten minutes so she could find it there in the morning for she was very fond of reading in bed early in the morning before she began her day End of chapters 19 through 22